Everything's crappy. Everything sucks. There are jerkwaters everywhere. Everything makes you oh so mad. It's beyond what you can bear. People fight people on wearing masks. It's stupid. Yes, it's true. They want to talk from the bully pulpit. But here's what you must do. Draw a smile on a paper plate and slap it right onto your face. Especially when things are Listening to Cantus so Firmus, I'm Cody Cook, and I'm talking with Andy Merrill. I've actually been talking with Andy Merrill for the last uh, 15 minutes about puppets, I think. That was and the, uh, <laughs> pretty close. Andy Merrill's the voice artist known for playing Brack on Space Coast Coast to Coast, Cartoon Planet, and The Brack Show. Uh, he's also known for providing the voice of Oglethorpe, the Plutonian, and Aqua Teen Hunger Force, as well as his yeah. voice work in Adventure Time and Gravity Falls. So, Andy, thanks for taking the time to be here. You can barely hear me in, in Gravity Falls. I'm in three episodes, uh, and you can just... I don't, I don't even hear myself in Gravity Falls, but, you know, I get Which the residuals. So. Yeah. When <laughs> yeah. so well, I, I, I was looking on IMDb because um, there's a show called the, is it the, the Marvelous World of Gumball or something, and there's a dad Marvel character on there who's definitely Gumball. Yeah, yeah, that sounds a lot like Brack. And I always wanted to do, when I was writing uh, promos, when I was in the on-air department, I always wanted to do, a, you know, little shorts that were a conversation between Richard and Brack. And just have, like, have them talk on the phone and think that they're talking to a mirror or, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, I was never offended by that. I thought... Richard was funny. Yeah. Uh, so, you know. Well, I remember I when I first thought, heard him, I, 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 mean, just... I never thought, I never thought he stole my voice. I, I always thought that's, that, that, that was cool. You know, I don't, yeah. and I don't, I don't know. I don't believe that he designed, he designed his voice, you know, on mine, on Brack, but you know, you never know. Well, your sketch idea makes you think uh, Gilbert Gottfried has a bit about Tony Curtis and Gavin McLeod meeting out somewhere. And it's like, hi, Tony. Uh, hi, Gavin. How are you? I'm fine. And you? Anyway. <laughs> I just did. No, I just did. I did. I did stand up and I did a joke about the different impressionists when when I was young. And Fred Travelina would always do like stupid situations. So I set it up that Kirk Douglas owned a pharmacy, and yeah. um, and uh, Frank Sinatra went in to get his angina medication. Yeah, I, I heard it, and it's it's always like it's always one of those. I think it would go a little something like this, and it's like, uh -huh. and it's amazing too because most of the impressionists were not like funny. <laughs> they do good impressions, but they weren't necessarily like funny people. No, no, they were like, "Hey, I can do this voice," and everybody's like, "Oh, yay! You're rich, little." Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, he does kind of sound like I don't do really good. I don't do good impressions. Um, yeah. But I did. I did that same that same night. I performed. I was nervous because I performed uh, a little Mickey and Goofy thing, and 
I re- I found out that Bill Farmer, the voice of Goofy, was there to also perform. So he was in the audience. So I kind of beat <laughs> myself up a little, uh, but I did it. You know, it was it was. I called the the skit mundane conversation. It was uh, Mickey come Mickey and Goofy coming in from the grocery store, and the way Goofy laughs, he kind of like sucks in air. And yeah. So, so I just had him like. I I had him. He, I just had the premise that he did that because he had acid reflux. <laughs> so I did the whole thing, and Goofy's in pain, and Mickey's running around. <laughs> we gotta go to CVS. Just <laughs> uh, like stupid conversation, and then <laughs> then Goofy says, "Walgreens. Oh, you know what? Walgreens is closer. They also have chocodiles. Do you want some more chocodiles?" I can't eat chocolate. Oh. <laughs> I do. I, I heard that. I think that's on YouTube. Yeah, it's on yeah. YouTube. Goofy, Goofy's hard to do. I can actually, I can do Mickey kind of, but I've never quite gotten. Goofy has this such a. It, it is like the weird breathing. That is that. Yeah. <laughs> at the end of his laughs. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. So man, I don't want to keep you too long. I'm sorry. I, I, I love all these these, these side tracks. You're having. We're having fun. So fun. Don't worry yeah, about it's it. It's good. Stop beating yourself up. <laughs> <laughs> daily, uh, daily affirmations from Brack. Hello. <laughs> no. <laughs> Don't touch the hot pot because you will burn your hand. <laughs> I just made that up. That is common. That's good. Yeah. And and hold on a second. <laughs> oh, I covered it with like shoot. Never mind. I do have the puppet in here, but uh he's covered in IKEA cushions right now. So Yeah. And I don't want to waste your time. No, it's good. Well, and, and, I mean, if you ever, you know, if I ever ask you a question that you have to distance yourself from emotionally, you could use the Brack puppet. Just have Brack answer the question. Where did the man touch you? <laughs> right here in the armpit. Okay, so it's, it's hard to find a lot of too much background information about you. There's more than I expected to find. Um, I, I found that you um, started at CNN. Okay, that crappy Wikipedia page. Yeah says my middle name is robert somebody wrote that on i don't know i i've been trying for years to just take it off yeah do you want to set the record straight change, today i can't go and change my own wikipedia page but yeah, it, it, um, yeah. yeah let's set the record straight today and we'll see if it gets gets resolved what's what's your middle name <laughs> i'm not gonna say okay uh, but where it, were it does say that's it's okay. It's just that you started at CNN before you went to Cartoon Network. Uh, I got into CNN while I was in Tulsa uh, working with my friend on – we just did stupid camera work at Willie George Ministries in Tulsa. And they did the Gospel Bill show, which is on – I don't know if it's still on uh, TBN or Christian television, but I worked camera a couple times on the Gospel Bill show. Um, so then, you know, I had put in my, uh, application to CNN, um, uh, at that time. So they hired me as an intern 
Mm-hmm. So uh, I went and moved to Atlanta. And was it that day? No, I did an internship earlier, and I don't remember anything about that. I just did it for sports. And I was just, I couldn't, you know, they were like, hey, do the highlights of this basketball game. I'm like, they're kind of all highlights to me. <laughs> so <laughs> I was not good at that. Um, but later, yeah, I got hired by CNN in 1990. Yeah, 91. Yeah, somewhere. Uh, 91. And uh, yeah, I worked there like exactly a year before <laughs> I, I went to, to Cartoon Network. It was giving scripts to the anchors. It was pointing them to the camera. It was uh, uh, um, going and then you graduate up to what's called playback, which I'm sure they don't have anymore, which is like five tape machines in one room and you're juggling tapes because they have to go on the air and mm. that's that's really stressful and then yeah. i worked overnights in in feeds where i would just you know take in um normal stories and stuff and put them to tape and b-roll so they could edit the things the mo- the most the most um I won't, I don't want to say exciting because it was a hurricane, but the most exciting it got in feeds was, you know, during, I think it was Hurricane Andrew. And um, <clears throat> so, you know, you're talking to the reporters out in the field and they're saying, well, we're going to go to shelter now. And then you just kind of wait, biting your nails for like 45 minutes and they call back and, yeah, we're okay. <laughs> yeah. And, and then, but they never asked you to do, say, this is CNN is Bracken. This is CNN, stupid. I think they, uh, they, I think they liked um, James Earl Jones's version better. Yeah, is what I think. Maybe, yeah. Mine sounded too babyish. Too babyish. <laughs> I, I, I think they're equal in gravitas, but so, um, so how did you end up at Cartoon Network then? So you, you start at CNN. You're, you're ringlaced. I, I. Uh, I saw that Ted Turner had bought the Hanna-Barbera library and Mm. you don't buy a cartoon library without doing something with it. So, you know, I kind of knew something was coming and then on the job board at CNN, they started posting. So I, I thought the only thing I could do at the time was, uh, programming so i went out for that job and um i interviewed with two people i interviewed with dick connell who's not there anymore i don't know where he is now but i interviewed with lazo and um first of all before the interview they gave me this this test it was a written test it was a cartoon test it was like Mm -hmm three or four pages long and it had like multiple choice matching uh fill in the blank and it was all like i think they thought matching was gonna be hard because it was like match the studio with the cartoon character and Mm. there were more there were more cartoon characters than studios um so the characters that didn't have a studio i would just write the studio name next to 
it because <laughs> I just oh, wow. knew all her stuff for some stupid reason. But, uh, you know, and had an essay question, uh, tell the difference between a Warner Brothers and a Hanna-Barbera cartoon. And I kind of went a little deep on it, but um, I got 100%. And, um, and so I got into interview. Uh, Dick and Mike were so were impressed with my interview that they had me go in and meet Betty Cohen, who's the president at the time of the network. And so I talked with her. It was a delightful little chat. I made her laugh. And uh, that's how I got in. Uh, I, I worked in programming. Um, I worked with Kaki Jones, who's over at uh, Disney Animation now. She programmed the half-hour shows, like Flintstones and Jetsons and all that stuff. I programmed all the shorts. So I programmed all the Huckleberry Hound, all the Hanna-Barbera mm. shorts, all the Bugs Bunny stuff and Popeye and, and all that. So, you know, within a few months of just... Uh, uh, scheduling and scheduling and scheduling, I started becoming kind of like the resident cartoon guru. So if anybody says, where does Albert Fudd say this? And I would say, oh, it's in this cartoon. I, I, yeah, I used to be able to tell you the name of a Warner Brothers cartoon just by listening to the opening segment. And I could tell you the name and who directed it. Wow. I, I got that intimate with the Warner Brothers cartoon, so yeah, it was fun. I liked it. It was it was you know a lot different from. There was no stress. It wasn't like CNN. Uh, yeah, and they didn't come was, in and be like, "We need that Huckleberry Hound episode stat." Yeah. Plus, I you know I made more money, so uh, that was great. Um, so you know that's that's how I started. Yeah. And so somehow you end up from so you go from CNN to programming Cartoon Network to being involved in Space Ghosts. What was I mean? What exactly happened there? Because it seemed like it was kind of it was really cool, but it almost sort of seemed like friends goofing around a little bit at first. Is that kind of fair? Uh, it wasn't well, kind of like that. We at the beginning of the network, we would pick a month and each month we would dedicate to one character. I think right before Space Ghost, it was uh Morocco Mole from uh, uh, what's the name? Uh, something Squirrel. Um, Secret Squirrel or Secret Squirrel? Yeah, it was Secret Squirrel. So you know, we would showcase those cartoons and do special little marathons and stuff. Um, I can't believe I forgot Secret Squirrel. <laughs> my brain. Um, so April was coming along and they had appointed space ghost to be part of April. So we were thinking of, you know, um, marathon ideas or stunts or whatever. And, um, cause we had done, uh, we had done a mother's day stunt where we celebrated cartoon mothers and we, it was khaki's idea to, uh, we showed three cartoons in that marathon. It was Flintstones, Jetsons and Johnny quest. So it was a tribute to Wilma and Betty, uh, Jane and Race Bannon. Um, so it was funny. Um, anyway, uh, so yeah, it came from one of those meetings of trying to figure out what to do with Space Ghost. Uh, and then we were kind of just joking around. Uh, Khaki said, 
with we were joking around we were joking around with like titles of marathons and stuff and khaki said uh space goes coast to coast and then we were like huh lazo was like it'd be funny if we did like a talk show mm-hmm. uh featuring an animated character and i had I, I was like, yeah, I've heard of that before. There used there was a bear, an animated bear before Space Ghost. So we weren't the first animated talk show, but I don't know what happened to that show and I don't remember the name of it. But um yeah, I and I in college I was a broadcast major and at Asbury they teach you a lot of production. And mm. so you're just ready to start going in the field. Um so I knew how to edit. Um, it was no big thing. I don't really, I mean, I, I kind of know now, but it, back then it was tape to tape. So I would take, uh, I took an, an episode of Space Ghost and I just would do fractions of a second together to keep his mouth <laughs> open or keep his mouth closed. And, yeah. uh, and so I, you know, brought Khaki in the room with me and recorded this stupid tomorrow. We're going to talk to Don Knotts. And, um, uh, so that was basically the pilot. I took, uh, CNN had a show called showbiz tonight and I took just a random interview. It was with Denzel Washington. And I kind of faked that space goes, was talking to Denzel and, uh, that's what, that's what sold the show. So, you know, we, we all kind of, you know, it was, uh, I would say equally the show was created by Khaki and Lazo and I. Um, don't, don't fall for any other, <laughs> what anybody else tells you. But, um, so we, it went from there. We started having meetings. We, on um, how to do it. Um, we had, uh, Clay Croker, who did a lot of uh, animation at Crawford Post uh, in Atlanta. And, you know, without him, you know, we wouldn't have had the sets and backgrounds and stuff. And we took the animation actually from the cartoon, most of it. And we would rotoscope it out of the cartoon and just place him in. That's why his poses were all weird. Yeah. Um, like he's sitting like this at the desk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but, that, but that actually makes it so, like a lot funnier, you know, It was. And, yeah. and we did a reenactment show where I was Space Ghost. And I dedicated myself to try and do every single pose. And it was really, it hurt after a while. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Clay would do extra animation if we needed it. Um so yeah and he just happened to be able to do uh uh don mastic and uh 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 uh, uh Dawes butler uh voices those are the main ha- cartoon i mean main hanna barbera guys mm. so uh, D- uh don messick did uh uh zorak so he could do a, like a spot on zorak because uh, at first we weren't going to worry about the voices. We had tried to get Gary Owen to do Space Ghost, but it wasn't that he was a jerk. He was a really nice guy. It's just he couldn't read it 
the scripts the way we wanted him to read it. We he wanted to be the true space ghost, which mm-hmm. was kind of heroic and stuff, and we wanted him to lighten up and be funny. So yeah. yeah. And so you talked about the clipping it with like Denzel or whatever. Um, and they may also think of like the weird owl, like the owl TV segments where he would like make it look like he was interviewing, you know, Prince or yeah, whatever. It was, and he was, I, you know, uh, I didn't, I didn't think about that when we put it together, but yeah, it's similar to that. Yeah, but I, I, I always, I used to love owl TV. I was always a glued try and record every single version. I, I think I have one. I I recorded one and I digitized it, so it's on my computer somewhere. But it's one of the later episodes. So anyway, I have I, I had I had a tape of the one. I think it was after he did Poodle Hat. Maybe he's got like this interview with Avril Lavigne, uh, where he's making making fun of how she talks. It's got it's an Eminem yeah. interview. I'm I like burn the burn the crap out of that tape. But um, so but the, but I, I guess I bring that up because I'm wondering when I watch Space Ghost, I always wonder. If the questions that are being asked celebrities, the celebrity guests, are the questions that Space Ghost is asking, or initially, or... initially okay. it was. Initially, it was because you hear him in the opening in the first episodes. You just hear him say, "Are you getting enough oxygen?" Why, blah, blah, blah. and uh, it yeah. was just the same questions we would ask people. And so after a while. Um, it just kind of was didn't work, so it we really started uh, uh, making things, <laughs> taking things out of context in the season where Warner Brothers wanted us to do twenty eight episodes. But they yeah. we were taking it out of stuff out of context before, and you know at first we had thought you know. Is it ethical or are they going to sue us or something? But after a while, it was like, we don't care. This is funnier. And yeah. um, and so, uh, yeah, we um, instead of right. Originally, we wrote the show around the interview. And after a while, we wrote the interview into the show. And mm. it, it's it was it was a better show for that because we yeah. actually would were writing uh, an actual show with a plot and all that stuff and not just a, you know, talk show. So I always wonder about the, um, the way the Bill Shatner interview, because Shatner supposedly this kind of big ego guy or whatever. And there's that, did there's that line Shatner? where uh, you did. Yeah. Cause there's a line where space Ghost says, Hey, remember that episode of space track where your show got canceled? You know, I, I, I think we weren't working on that. I think okay. that was uh, that was the digital side. They did some Space Ghost without our permission, I guess. Uh, but they they still are there, you know. Um, yeah. But yeah, I we never we never uh, interviewed Shatner. We did get Mark Hamill mm. and made fun of that whole thing. And I had to fight. <laughs> I had to fight. For the joke where Space Ghost says, "Well, if it isn't Duke Fartknocker," <laughs> we really had to, we really had to fight for that. Yeah, Luke Skytopper. Well, well you, you, you gotta have your scruples. I mean, you know what I mean. You, you gotta have your integrity and, and fight for Duke Fartknocker. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's it's just it's just funny. 
I mean, yeah. why, why, why would you not put that in there? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Some people um, don't like fart jokes. <laughs> well, and, and you know, when I, when I kind of look back, um, I mean, it's, it, there was like this, it's this really kind of this early time in Cartoon Network and it's even like pre-adult swim and it kind of this translates into adults over time. But it almost like feels like like the early days of like the American Revolution or the Yippies, the Weather Underground or the Rolling Stones or something where it's just like, I mean, did you guys have a sense that you were doing something kind of like somewhat historic even like revolutionary? You know, it's like just something kind of new. No, we were just doing what we were doing, you know. Yeah. We didn't think we were groundbreaking or anything like that. Um, and, you know, it's weird that people look back at it like that. But, uh, you know, it did it did eventually morph into Adult Swim. And um, because the original Adult Swim shows kind of all had that type of humor. Yeah. All the stuff we originally made. And, and Aqua Teen was... Uh, uh, um, spinoff of space ghost there was mm-hmm. one episode where they didn't even resemble what aqua teen is now but uh, yeah shake was like um i remember he was like one of them uh i think it was one of the the moon Knights who did the voice of shake right wasn't it um it was might have been matt malero it was either matt malero or dave i hired dave willis to be our extra guy to write and produced cartoon planet back in the day yeah and then uh lazo pulled him onto space ghost and you know he shot up through there so yeah yeah he's a name you see all the time in adult swim and and, and just to clarify in case somebody doesn't know who adult, what adult swim is this is like almost like kind of a cartoon networks like nick at night it was like kind of more adult oriented uh, you know space ghost was our first original piece cartoon at cartoon network um and then we we went into the whole you know cartoon cartoon thing and we had like contests for animators to make a short and and we would have the kids at home pick their favorite shorts so that's you know where powerpuff girls and dexter and all those classics came from yeah kids next door kids next door yeah yeah that one won Almost unanimously, everybody loved that one. The documentary recently about Nickelodeon um, and kind of the heyday, and then as it sort of evolves over time, and it's, sometimes things kind of become a little bit more corporate. Do you feel like Adult Swim or Cartoon Network still sort of have that rebellious spirit a little bit, or does it is it kind of become a little no, bit more structured? No, it it's always kind of been structured. Yeah. Um, it's just when when the company started uh, merging and selling off. Like when we first did Space Ghost, it was just Turner. And it was the hierarchy was you, Lazo, Betty Cohen, Ted Turner. So you were always like four people away from Ted Turner. And um, he would do all of our um, company wide meetings and stuff. So we would see him all the time. And uh, it was just a mom and pop thing. And, you know, Cartoon Planet, especially done during that time, we didn't go through. We we knew the basics, S&P standards and practices. So we didn't we didn't go overboard with it. So, you know, we kind of pushed 
pushed it a little bit, but we never really sent our stuff to um, S and P. And a lot of the time, we didn't even run it past Lazo. We <laughs> just produce it and throw it on the air. Um, so you know that's, but that's where Brack kind of rose. Uh, it was in Cartoon Planet, and at some point. We were airing it at six o'clock, I remember at night. So I would stay, I don't know if it was TBS or I think it was on TBS at six o'clock, maybe. Oh, either, either or. But uh, I would stay and sit in a sound booth. And when they would cue me, I would, I would just do brack doing the in and outs saying we'll be right back with more cartoon planet and so after a while i would just go on and i I would write scripts and show them to mike and he would approve them but after a while i was like i'm not going by these (laughs) just i would just improvise whatever was coming just whatever popped in my head so i you know the, the problem with that is it was live, so there's no recordings of them unless um, got them on videotape. I'm sure somebody yeah. did. I would wish my grandma happy birthday and all this other stuff. <laughs> That's awesome. I would sing it. Okay, so then. But it was like I only had six seconds each time, so I would have to think fast. Yeah. And then, and then sort of Breck becomes kind of a breakout star a little bit or breakout character in um yeah in, in space ghost and then gets his own show and then which well we- uh he got so popular with cartoon planet that we started injecting him more into coast to coast yeah when we were taking off cartoon planet and we all had to work together to get that ton of episodes out that was like season four we had like 26 episodes we got out that year when it was just 10 before um so we were like constantly in that room <laughs> it was chip duffy dave willis pete smith and i just in that room just like it's almost like we were locked in there like it was a prison <laughs> just like we were we were the little kids making shoes uh, <laughs> that's what it felt like <laughs> But, you know, we were just cranking out comedy and stuff. So, anyway, that was the early days of Space Ghost. But then the then Warner Brothers bought us, AOL bought them. Uh, and so it became a lot more corporate and there were a lot more people uh, hired and stuff like that. So it, it's, it became a beast. Um, but it wasn't a beast that we could, we had to be afraid of, you know, we, we could still like do our own thing. It just had to go through different channels. So, yeah, I remember Harvey Birdman had like an episode about that, where it was like the, the firm was being taken over by AOL Time Warner. Well, Michael O'Lean did that show and he's like the president of Adult Swim now. So, (laughs) yeah, I mean, when Mike... When Lazo retired, they gave it to Michael because naturally, you know, he was he was the head of on air and marketing and it just made sense. Um, So, yeah, he he was my boss for a a good long time and um, we got along swimmingly. Michael's a good guy. 
Yeah, Oline's great. So, so I, I I might want to maybe transition a little bit because uh, part of what was I was interested in talking to you about was um, uh, I became aware from watching some of your uh, your videos that you did kind of leading up to the election. You brought all these like Brack puppets and different things in and these kind of you know funny song numbers and stuff like that. Which I'd like to open and close the uh, the podcast with a couple of those if you're if you're okay with that. Some of the ones you did on uh, YouTube fine. last year. Fine. Yeah, it was funny because I did. Uh, Put a smile on a paper plate and slap it right onto your face. Yeah. Or draw a smile, sorry. And I called uh, my friend John, who kind of represents me musically. Uh, and uh, I said, you know, I can, I can give you uh, the full-on uh, recording of that of Dr. Demento. Wants yeah. to air it. It's like he was like, "Oh, he's already airing it. He already got it off off of, off of YouTube." So I was like, "Well, that's cool." Yeah. So, well, so you know, as I was watching some of these videos he did leading up to last election, and and they're they're so good and they're so funny, and anybody who hasn't who hasn't seen them needs to watch them. Uh, well, look you. you up on on YouTube, Mandy Merrill, or, or you know, uh, Instagram. I, I I I think I started having a lot more fun when Christmas rolled around and I dedicated myself to try and do a Christmas song every day. Yeah. With Santa or Brack. But when I brought Brack and Santa together, I just thought it was funny to me. And it was especially funny to me because it made Brack uh, uh, a straight man. Cause I, <laughs> I made Santa a little, a little too insane. Uh, yeah. So, you know, anyway, yeah, well, yeah. The, the, somehow you managed to evoke almost like kind of a Jack Benny quality in uh, in Brack, where he'll sort of stop and look at the camera, you know. <laughs> That's just how I do puppets. I people yeah. when when we would do puppets when I was a kid, and we would do it for our church. People knew what puppet I was working because I would try and be as animated as I could. Um, you know, everybody else is like, I'm a puppet and just sing like that. And I would try and invoke a personality into the, into the foam and cloth. Yeah. Bringing them to life as it were. Well, so, but, but it was in that process. I think one of your early videos when uh, you started really doing stuff on YouTube last year was the cup of Jesus song. And I did that before I started. Yeah, before I started doing the puppets, yeah. Go ahead, yeah. I'm sorry. That's okay. It's, it's just you and the ukulele, and um, I was interested, especially in the description, because in the description you'd mentioned that it was kind of an homage to the uh, sort of the indie Christian bands that would perform at your church. <laughs> well, it, you know, it's funny. that that I got that song from, I don't, you can probably still look it up online. It's called The 365 Project. Uh-huh. Somebody, like, posted... A stupid song every day for 365 days. Okay. Um, and uh, Cup of Jesus was in there somewhere. Uh, so I just thought that song was stupid. Yeah. <laughs> it's really catchy, though. My, my, so, my, you know, I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian. My wife is kind of more agnostic-ish, I guess. But she, she finds herself singing it a lot. And I think especially the it's way your intonations, your pauses... It's well, it's funny because, you know, it's such an easy song to do and play. 
and like most of the songs were and just i don't know i don't know if it's the it's just the easiness of the song that makes it you know memorable or or what yeah it's a stupid song (laughs) i wanted to do i'm a little weenie i'm a little weenie looking for a bun such a teeny weeny itty bitty one Okay. Well, wait, you still said that's actually great. Um, what, 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 what got me interested, though, is that kind of, you talk about that, that background a little bit, and then I think I Googled yeah. you and uh, found you on, just kind of looked at, she could find any information on your Wikipedia related to uh, background or whatever, and saw that you went to Asbury, which was a Methodist university. And so right. I, I was curious about, because um, mostly this, this is a theology and also kind of culture podcast. Yeah, yeah. And so I was just, I was interested in what your background there was. And, uh, you know, you seem like your family is pretty involved in church, obviously. And it yeah. seems like you, you've told some stories that suggest that you were still, uh, you know, Maybe by the time you went to college, you were still a Christian. You were involved in different kind of ministries, doing um, uh, art and uh, art. Well, maybe it's art, but I'm trying to think of the term like puppet show, puppetry and stuff like that. And so I was curious about that that whole background, what that was like. I guess maybe the the positives and the negatives, especially looking back, of having a kind of an evangelical, I assume evangelical um, upbringing. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say there's negatives, uh, except for you know, for three years I went to. Licking County Christian Academy, and it, oh god, those people are so close-minded and, and stuff um, that you know it was just it's anyway. Um, so uh, I don't want to say it messed me up, but geez, those people. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, I grew up in the Methodist Church, um, United Methodist. My my mom was always very charismatic. My dad mm-hmm. kind of was, but not so much. But he would still go to like the full gospel businessmen conventions and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, so, yeah, I grew up in that atmosphere. Uh, I went to that school for three years. It's It was like independent fundamental Baptists. Oh, uh, like King, King James only? King James only. And... Uh, all of the teachers had to come from, uh, what is it, Bob Jones University. Oh, yeah. So, uh, and, and the way, they, didn't, they don't do it now, but they used to kind of teach through these workbooks called PACES. Mm-hmm. And so okay. you would basically do your homework in the workbook, and you would, and during tests, you would do the test, and then you would, Go look at the answers and grade your te- your own test. Yeah, and uh, the so that that wasn't open to cheating at all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we had to we had to memorize uh, passages in the Bible and uh, and all of that. So you know, I'm pretty well versed <laughs> as far as uh, Christianity is concerned. You know, I when I was in Burbank. I had a, I had, well, I still have a friend. He kind of grew up, uh, well, he, he grew up more in a Mormon atmosphere, but we were kind of betting each other who could out Jesus one another, <laughs> who knew more. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we both kind of grew up in that uber 
religious atmosphere. It wasn't like they, my parents were strict and, and all that stuff and that they were, I mean, we were allowed to you know, do whatever we wanted. We could watch whatever TV or movies we wanted. We could, you know, they, they raised us basically to be responsible and, mm-hmm. and we were. But it wasn't with, you know, an iron fist. It was, you know, they just, you know, we, we all just got along. It wasn't like, my mom is such a slave driver. But um, yeah. it, was, it was never like that. So I think we grew up pretty happy. Um, so, I don't know. Yeah. So I'm not screwed up in the head. That's good. That's good. Well, you know, the Baptist, and I, I was I did a research project for a book on um, a politics from like a kind of biblical perspective, and uh, I, I found some, you know, some of the old fundamentalist Baptists were like very skeptical of politics, and it's interesting it's changed so much, right? And it's now totally it's like, and now it's like, yeah, they're in bed with all of those guys. Yeah, it's like well, you know, you can make. Just to make some people and some of their actions acceptable, that's almost partly why I kind of started losing faith, you know? Because, you know, these people, you know, are so close-minded and set in their ways, and they believe good things, but they also, you know, promote and believe horrible things. And, you know, I, I always they always, you know say about talk about how they're going to get into heaven and all this stuff and i i started thinking i don't want to go to their heaven because it's gonna you know it would their heaven would be you know all white people and (laughs) and and we don't gotta worry about anything anymore and it's like i that's i don't want to go to some closed-minded jerk heaven um, that would be my hell. So uh, I think that's yeah. when I started kind of falling aside, I, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I left, so I, I had a Southern Baptist, uh, my dad's side of the family was Southern Baptist. So when I was like a little kid, I was you know baptized and everything. And they kind of, I think, drove me away in a lot of ways. So then when I, I back to it, I had this sort of very uh, skeptical attitude toward like tradition and anything people told me. And I feel like that's maybe maybe served me a, a little bit better when you see the way that um, so many kids grow up with uh, certain traditions and they aren't very reflective about them. Finally, sometimes it, it can be really difficult to stay in there once you once you realize how how unhealthy some of those things are. Oh yeah, I know, but I don't know. I just don't like. I told my niece and nephews that. My philosophy now basically is don't be a douche. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, I just be nice to people. Be just respect them. You know, they don't have to believe what you believe. They don't. So it's like um, just respect them for what they believe and stuff. You know, I, 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 um, I'm working temporarily kind of like blue collar and um, I'm just working with all these Trumpers and, and I'm not saying, you know, that was the worst four years of my life. I'm just, you know, trying to 
understand them and get along with them. And um, I found that has been pretty easy to do. Um, And it's just me not being a jerk or a douche, you know? Sure. Um, So, yeah, there's the one woman that I work with is very Christian. She reminds me of my mom, the way she talks. And I, I told her that I was, I was an agnostic and cause I had let her, you know, talk about the Bible and Jesus the whole night. And, uh, I, I told her how I grew up and all that stuff. So she just, you know, let loose. And, um, I was fine with that. You know, I'm, I, I don't disrespect her for any of that. And, um, you know, I'm cool with it. And, when I said I was agnostic, she said, oh, well, do you believe in God? And I said, I don't not believe in God. <laughs> That's yeah. kind of what agnosticism is. <laughs> so, you know, is there? But no, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. It's the, it's the we can't define it. So why are we interpreting it? Um I know there are basic rules and principles and, and stuff to go by, but it gets twisted. Like the the word of God gets twist, twisted so much to to other people's you know belief system and whims and stuff that it it yeah. drives me crazy. Well, I think partly what I'm curious about um, is your journey to agnosticism because when you talk about some of these bad experiences having an impact, like for me. I kind of almost like segment my um, these things a little bit where it's like the way I've, I've sort of separated it for myself and this maybe has made it so it's been easier for me to maintain my faith <laughs> is that you have a, a claim about there being a creator, which is a philosophical claim. And you have a claim about um, Jesus rising from the dead, which is a historical claim that has some, you know, import for other issues. And then you have this third thing which was a problem that Jesus dealt with a lot, which is that sometimes people who are claimed to be religious believers are, are, are jerks. And then I think what happens for so many is that third thing starts to overshadow the second and first things, even though the third thing can be true. And then one and two can also be true. It starts, it starts to make you doubt one and two a little bit when three is such a problem. You know, I, you know, the more I talk about, uh, my beliefs and stuff, I believe, um, a lot more Christian things than I would even thought think, you know, if, if I talk about it enough, um, but still, you know, there's that uh, there. Um, uh, so I don't understand your question. Oh, (laughs) so I'm going to talk about something. No, no, you were talking about, uh, creation and, uh, the historics of, uh, Jesus rising from the dead. Well, the reason I was no, talking about it was no. I was thinking no. I was thinking yeah. about uh, when you were talking about creation. My mind went off to uh, uh, you know, the people believe in evolution. They believe in the Big Bang. They believe in um, all of that. They believe that the Earth is very old. Um, and and you know what? It, Genesis says that you know he. He created the earth and everything around in like six days and then rested on the seventh. Why do those days have to be 24 hours? Mm-hmm. I mean, they can be, I don't know. I think I believe that they can be God days. 
movies, Let There sure. Be Light, that sounds like a big bang. Um, so, you know, yeah, I think it can all fit together. Um, yeah, I, it's I, just, I, I don't know that. why people are so hung up on this miracle of just this complex, you know, universe being built in, you know, <laughs> yeah, hundred. <laughs> The time thing seems uh, seems like an odd odd thing to camp out on. I, I, I've like um, I've known people like pastors or whatever who would say they talk negatively about the Big Bang because they were young Earth creationists, and I'm like, are you telling me that secular scientists are going to come up to you and say the universe began to exist, and you're going to have an issue with that? Like you know, <laughs> for for decades the Big I, Bang was treated as a negative thing for for secularism, right? But you know, it's fun. We yeah. don't know. Yeah, nobody yeah. knows. They, you know, they're finding dinosaur bones, and people are saying that's a hoax. They're just making those bones. But you know, why can't why can't God be the God that says, "Hey, you know what? I'm going to make something better out of this," or you know, I don't know. Yeah. But you know, nature has to adapt to whatever is going on around it. Otherwise, you know, we'd all be dead and extinct. Yeah. So. You know, we've had to, everything has had to evolve to live on this planet. So, yeah, I don't think evolution is a bad thing. I mm -hmm. think it can be part of the creation story, but uh, I'm going to eat yeah, some chocolate. Yeah. Well, I think you, you still have a notion of, um, of, a, of a wise creator. I mean, you can, right? I mean, most evolution, people who talk about evolution think well, of it in a secular sense, but. Yeah, I mean, I'm not an atheist. Yeah. I'm not like, this doesn't happen. Um, yeah, I mean, you have to believe in something. Something started all this. Yeah. Someone's looking out for everybody. You know, I don't, I don't not believe, so. Yeah. I just believe that. I try and be realistic about what I believe and who knows, you know, mm -hmm. we don't know. Um, but the Bible was put together by a bunch of, you know, like a religious sect of the, whatever church in the three hundreds and they picked and choose what goes in the Bible. So there are probably a lot of extra things that we don't know that, they thought were blasphemous back then or something. <laughs> well, never always, I'm, not, I'm always never sure like what's like, what's worth bringing up and what's not worth bringing up. Um, <laughs> I, I, so the, 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 well, you uh, can bring up whatever. I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sometimes it's like, is, 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 uh, when you, somebody says something, you think there's a lot of ways I could respond to this. This is one thing I could say, but is that like a rabbit trail? Right. Uh, so, I mean, I think for for me, when uh, so the there's kind of the Dan Brown argument, right, that the Council of Nicaea in 325 has something to do with picking the canon. When um, I, I don't actually think there's any historical evidence for that. It seems to have been kind of more of an organic process. And the argument that they were trying 
trying to make was we're going to, uh, you know, Jesus supposedly chose these apostles to get his message out, so we're going to go with the texts that are apostolic that we can point back to and say this comes from the apostles, and if it's too late in the game, then we don't take it seriously. So I think that there's there's a little bit more of something going on there, but you still have this problem, as like you've talked about, of the knowledge problem, which is, so even if you say, I think God has inspired something, as wants to tell me something, um, that doesn't mean you know everything. Like when people say, uh, the Lord told me today, blah, yeah. I, I just can't, I don't, I mean, it, it's so Old Testament to me. It was like, God had to talk to people like Moses and people like yeah. that back then because you know how else was he going to communicate so uh, i don't just today it's like god told me to go to the store and this happened and god doesn't care about that god doesn't it's like hold on cancer child let me help this woman at the grocery store yeah. um i just i don't i don't know there's a lot i don't believe so I don't know. Yeah. No, and, I think and, and, God has his priorities if he's there and it's not you and your football game. It's not, you know, Lord Jesus help me find the pantyhose I want and stuff like that, you know? It's sure ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, I know and, 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 and you know, just go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going off. Go ahead. <laughs> That's what you Griff. Um, no, and I, I, just to be clear, I, you know, the, the, the point of the, the part of why I want to be careful what I bring up is because I'm, I, I want to be, um, I want to be careful to not, uh, uh, because we obviously, whenever you disagree with somebody about something, you share your opinion, it can become, it can begin to look like you're trying to, uh, to hear, uh, ostensibly to talk no. about your own uh, personal beliefs and bracket and everything but really i'm just trying to convert your thing like that's not what i'm that's not no, what no, I'm no, trying no. To do. i don't think that i don't think that yeah. at all and, good, good. and you clearly made that clear before you know yeah. we even talk so you know even if you even if your main intention was was brack and you didn't tell me about what we're talking about now i think uh i would still be fine with it because i don't get offended i don't you know, yeah. I just I don't care. You know, yeah, yeah. That's good. Yeah, and I'm that way too. I I, I never understand when people get easily upset about things like that. But, um, I mean, so, I'm, I guess I'm too old to give a crap. I don't know. <laughs> it, it seems <laughs> My, weird to me that the number of the the number of F's I have to give are going down rapidly. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe it's me. Something that's personal about me, but I've always, I've never been one of those people who could talk about the weather or baseball scores. I've just, I've always found that to be really well, boring. So I'm, I'm always interested in getting people's perspectives on serious things. Right. I mean, stupid small talk. I don't like that either. Yeah. It's like talking to a robot. But. <laughs> um, I, I do wonder. So for you, it seems like for you, the part of what made it. Uh, what made faith, which was kind of a, maybe a more significant part of your, your upbringing, um, seem less interesting with um, people who maybe who were supposed to be on your side on this thing, who but who didn't seem to take it seriously in the way that you thought they should or that they were focused on the wrong things or their maybe their hearts weren't right. And um, that seems to be your story. But um, one thing that's kind of interesting to me is um, in the entertainment industry, 
there seems to be definitely more of a um, uh, more of a secularism as, as kind of the as the the default. And I wondered I wondered if you had any thoughts about that because my assumption maybe is that it has something to do with being contrarian, has something to do with being an artist, right? That you kind of um, you're more likely to be a little skeptical of of what the common the status quo is. I don't know. I think part of it's privacy too. Um, a lot of people hold their uh, beliefs to their chest and um, just don't want to talk about it just because they don't want to be judged or whatever. They don't want to. They don't want to seem like um, that, like people say, "Oh, look, he thinks he's so great." So um, no, I I don't I don't know. I don't. I don't, you know, I I kind of feel like like it's a private thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I let just whatever you want to believe, that's fine. So you you feel like that maybe there are more people within your industry that have different religious viewpoints than it, than it would be uh, it's suggested or, or thought to be. It's kind of just more of a private issue. I think so, and I think it, you know, most of the time it's maybe a moral issue. Um, but you see, you know, you see uh, Kirstie Alley or or, <laughs> or, or yeah. those people come out and they just, you know, what what do they gain from what they believe in to saying what they believe in? They've kind of ruined their. Their careers by, you know, yeah, coming out and backing up unpopular beliefs. Yeah, it seems like as an actor, you're almost trying to uh, be sympathetic, right? So you want everybody to imagine that they could be in your shoes. And if if, if they sort of watch you and they think, you know, Scott Bayo is a Trumper or whatever, then it's, it makes it a little harder to do that, I guess. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, John Voight, you know, he, he's done a lot of great work, but you don't want to you, you want to disconnect his personal side from his his acting cuz you know you don't want to you don't you shouldn't care you know mm-hmm. and i don't think that they i don't think that platform should be used that way mm-hmm. you know it's you know i i mean i lived really close to the science, church of scientology when i was in California and they were very <laughs> locked up and tight. Um, but you know, the, the spokespeople they have, you know, Tom Cruise and the bigger celebrities, um, when they talk about it, they just look crazy. Yeah. So, you know, it depends on what's acceptable and what's not viewpoint wise. Yeah. Well, and you think too about guys like on the other side, like a Ricky Gervais or a, uh, a Seth MacFarlane, who are very maybe pushy about their atheism, right? And that that seems to sometimes hurt hurt their careers a little bit. Yeah, I don't think that's a good idea either. Yeah, I, and you know, it's like I I don't believe in cramming your beliefs on people. Um, if it's Christian, if it's Muslim, if it's Jewish, if it's atheism, if anything, and I'm not bundling them all together. I'm just saying, you know, you can. I don't know. I just don't like. 
like when I was at the Christian Academy, this was their, they would, every single chapel service they had ended with a, a altar call. And, and I just look around and think, who here isn't saved by now? <laughs> um, but one of their things they would say was they would take people door to door in different neighborhoods and knock on doors and ask those people, you know, if you were to die tonight, where would you go? Mm. Uh, I want to introduce you to Jesus. It's like, you know, it's it's like if I brought you around, you know, <laughs> to my neighbor's houses without them knowing me and say, hey, this is Cody. Um, and then... <laughs> They're like, who the hell are you? So, <laughs> do you think though? I remember, I remember hearing um, or watching a video from Penn Jillette, who's kind of an outspoken atheist, and he talked about uh, people who would come to his, uh, you know, magic shows or whatever, and they would bring him, you know, leaflets or Bibles or whatever, and he'd been asked, you know, does that does that offend you or whatever, and he'd say, well, not at all. I mean, these people think they care about me and they care what they think is in my best interest. And if they actually believe that I had this opportunity for this wonderful thing and they want to share it with me, then wouldn't that mean on some level that they cared more about their looking good personally or not, not being embarrassed than they did about me. And I thought that was an interesting perspective as well. I, I do think that there's, there's gotta be a balance, right? I mean, obviously if, if you think something's you know good for so many people talk about masking or, or being vaccinated, like there's a, that comes from a concern, right? But there's also a way that you can do anything that it becomes totally obnoxious and also ineffective, <laughs> right? Well, yeah, I, yeah, that. And another thing that they kind of taught us at that school was they believe that, you know, for each, it's like for each soul you save, you get one more present. Um <laughs> It's like one more reward in heaven, one more gold brick into your mansion. Uh, Yeah. So, you know, it's like, then, you know what? Are you doing it for, because you care about people? Are you doing it because when you die and go to heaven, you're going to have this big, glorious mansion full of crap because, you know, you led all these people to the Lord? I don't know. Sure. I got this recumbent bike bike from uh, reading Bob, leading Bob to Jesus, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this box of Oreos came from that little girl who went to the altar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, and I, I think for me, like I talked about um, having some kind of Southern Baptist thing when I was young, and then I spent my teen years as a very aggressive atheist. And I think... I'm. I feel like, in a lot of ways, an outsider to Christian culture as it exists in the United States, especially when it comes to politics. But um, just in general, it's very strange to me. Like, there's a lot of things that, like, when I sort of became a Christian again, it was private. It was really started as an intellectual thing, and but yeah. then, like, you know, there's all these things like, oh, you know, uh, you got to do your devotionals, and I'm like, well, where's what, what is the devotional? I didn't read that anywhere when I read the Gospels or anything. What's a devotional? Yeah. Right? And there's these things that are just like part of the culture. Um, that you're supposed to accept, like the crappy music. I thought, okay, so I'm a Christian now. Does that oh mean my I have God. to learn to like Holy crap. <laughs> if I go to a church, a new church, and there are it's a drum set and guitars on the on the boat on the main stage, I'm like, oh great. 
we're going to sing our God is an awesome God for 45 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it always seems like. They would do that at Asbury. They would have chapel services and have people get up and lead uh, the song worship. And literally, for the entire 45 minutes, we would sing one song. <laughs> and it's like, God, you think, you know, uh, even like God and his angels in heaven are just going, yeah, I, you know, stop. <laughs> God's like, I only have I, so much time. I don't want to hear that song anymore. It's like Baby Shark. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't believe that the lyrics to Our God is an Awesome God, because I heard like a techno remix when I was an atheist. And I thought, this is like a this is like a parody, right? Like, these aren't the real lyrics to the song. But he says no. that, you know, the Lord wasn't joking when he kicked him out of Eden. It wasn't for any reason that he shed his blood. His return is very close. You better be believing. That whole thing, he rolls up his sleeves, he ain't just putting on the Ritz. I thought, that's not real. Nobody no, nobody who isn't an actual believer in Jesus wrote those words down sincerely. You know, you know if, if Christmas shoes is real, then that is real. <laughs> I do know of... Have, you ever, um, seen, I think have you ever seen the video for Christmas shoes? I saw like the one you done, did. No, the real video. It's mm -hmm. like done on a VHS camcorder. Yeah. It's so it's quality is bad. That it's so bad. It's so bad. I, I have to say though, as much as I don't like that song, the Brack rendition was somewhat touching. I, I remember feeling almost like a tear was was welling up inside well, me. Well, I wanted I wanted to grab you by the by the heart before I went into Lady Gaga because that 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 I mean that's what makes the Lady Gaga just going into that uh, bad romance uh, just even funnier I think sure I, I've always been this is completely off topic I've always been bothered by the uh, grammatical issues with bad romance where she says you and me could write a bad romance when it ought to be you and I could write a bad romance I don't think of that. Oh, I know. I do know. This is another thing. This is another thing yeah. about about the Christian school I went to. Mm. Uh, they did not like rock music. Okay. And uh, if you were, they would have like um, they would have like a talent competition every year with other Christian schools. And if you had a song that had "ain't" in it. Or you drop the G and put an apostrophe on one of those words. That's yeah. not get that song out of there. You know, you're that's like rock music. And that was always weird to me. Because aren't you saying, aren't you trying to preach to people and help people with these songs? But can't say ain't. Yeah. <laughs> it's just weird. I don't know. They were strict about dumb things. Sure. Well, when you talk about the fundamentalist Baptists, you know why they, they have such a negative attitude towards sex. It's because it can lead to dancing. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you have to stay six inches apart. We got to leave room for the Holy Spirit, who's roughly six inches in depth. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, and if you get closer, well, you have to feel that Holy Spirit going, No! Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I've kept you for a while, and um, 
it's been really awesome to talk to you. I really appreciate you taking time to do this. Um, is there anything yeah. anything else you want to say? And, and are you ready to uh, come up and accept Jesus as your Savior? Have I? No. <laughs> yes, I am. I totally am. Even though I did multiple times in my teen years, I'm yeah. ready to do it again. <laughs> this time for real. You've convinced me. That's another thing I don't understand is if you're trying to convert people, mm-hmm. the the people that tend to take everything out of context and m- morph it to their beliefs, they're so close-minded to people. If you want to, if you want to convert them, then why do you make it so hard? You know why? Yeah. You know why do you have to condemn these people? Because that's not the way to do it. You're not going to say you're going to hell. You're doing terrible things and horrible things. You're just you know telling people how bad they are and persecuting them and and stuff like that. That's not going to get your message across. Isn't that kind of what pickup artists do though? Where they talk about that you do the dig where you say like you know oh, those shoes don't look cheap at all or whatever. Like you try to like find some way to <laughs> sort of compliment them. Yeah. Like, listen, I love you're your, not that good. I love Jesus your watch. You. And say, I love your watch so they can hold your hand for just a split <laughs> second. What kind is that? Yeah. Casio. I don't know why you love this watch. Uh, anyway, sorry. <laughs> that was yeah. a tangent. But no, but yeah, they're... they're Perhaps they're, I mean, I've always wondered about that too, because like I, I always, I came to faith, like I said, kind of intellectually, like it was certain arguments and data that sort of brought me in. And then like, I always thought it was weird when I go to like a church and they'd be like, invite your atheist friends or whatever. And I'd be like, they don't know what the hell we're doing here. Like then it's not going to connect with them at all. But then it turns yeah. out when you start le- learning about it, that, that actually does, it is what happens. Like I, I, I've, I've yet to like really bring somebody in by making a good argument. But if somebody goes to church on the right Sunday and they just everybody's nice to them, it, like it almost like somehow like it does. I don't know. People, people connect in di- differently than I expect them to. It, it, it has to do All with right. wanting to be interested in the group and wanting to be a part of it. Feeling like but wanting to be in. Like these people are so nice and whatever. And then that right. then you're willing to kind I of. Remember, I remember having friends that would uh, become saved. And they just felt so good about it yeah. that, that, you know, they just became a different person. And um, it just seemed to me. And then then later they would just fall by the wayside. You know, they would go back to their old ways and stuff. And I, I think if you're going to if you're going to try and if you're going to convert people, you also have to nurture them. So. It just feels like most of the time it's like you're saved, go into the world, and 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 there's no um, there's no help. I don't know if you're you're like the Baptist school you went to was like what they call once saved always saved, but that's their whole thing, right? You got to get them in the door, and then it doesn't matter if they leave the building yeah. after that. Who gives yeah. a crap? You know, it, it, it was once saved always saved. Yeah, but you know. If that were the case, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's like signing so, a cell phone contract with Verizon or something, right? You know, like, well, you signed the contract. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't you matter if you go, don't use the phone. Be a Buddhist, 
no, you've got two more years here. <laughs> this has been just really awesome to be able to talk to. It's a little bit like, you know, talking to Mel Blank or something. Uh, just, but, uh, but, uh, uh, you know, anything in conclusion or anything that we, we didn't talk about that you want to say any words of parting, parting words of wisdom or. Well, I hope I've turned everyone away from the Lord. No, I'm kidding. I'm joking. <laughs> I don't really have, I don't say profound things unless, did I? No. I don't, I don't know. I don't have any parting words. Go unto thee, thine own world. Don't screw it up. Because once you're saved, you know, it's fine. Actually, I, I do. I do have one one concluding question, um, and maybe this maybe you, you maybe you won't find this cute, but we'll see. Uh, which is, uh, if you were to uh, imagine uh, Brack and Oglethorpe, um, if they were to have religious viewpoints, what do you think they would connect with? Uh, well, Oglethorpe, I would think you know I kind of made him German. Uh, I kind of <laughs> think he would. He would be uh, very much a strict Protestant. Yeah, Lutheran. Um, I feel like Brack. Jeez, I don't know. Do you think he'd be like a Unitarian Universalist? I think Brack might be a Unitarian <laughs> Universalist just because he's so kind of friendly and open. Brack would go to England so he could register himself as a Jedi. <laughs> yeah. Recognize religion over there. <laughs> I don't have to be a Padawan. I can just go over there and sign a paper. <laughs> I'm a Jedi. All right, man. Well, thank you again. Um, I'm going to go ahead and, and end the recording here and uh, uh, go in peace. That's a, that's a way to <laughs> sign out. That's a good way. That's a good sign off phrase. I'm going to go ahead and end the recording here and then <laughs> click it's off. And that's the way it is. <laughs> gonna turn this recording off. Yeah. Good night. So folks I know they need the morning coffee. They need the morning coffee to help face the day. But all I need is his sweet inspiration in my life. To pick me up and get me on my way. Have a cup of Jesus. First thing in the morning. Have a cup of Jesus to get the spirit up. Fill me to the rim with the love that pours from Him. All the goodness of Jesus is always worth a second cup. Some folks I know, they wrestle with the devil. They wrestle with the devil because they hadn't seen the light. Someday soon I'll have them come for breakfast, yes I will, and show them how to start their day off right. I'll have a cup of Jesus, first thing in the morning, I'll have a cup of Jesus, keep it better, it's up. We'll fill it, fill them to the rim, with the love that pours from him. All the goodness of Jesus is always worth a second cup. Yeah. Is that a homemade Brack mask behind you?
Yeah, more than for Halloween a few years. And I didn't just put it up for you. I've had it, if you go back to my old videos, you well, can see it. Well, it looked like the prototype puppet I made. Oh, yeah? I made it out of, uh, I don't know. I, I, I had this devil puppet, and I thought his skin matched, so I just cut the crap out of him, and I just cut his ears off and cut off all of his hair and just put this mask on him. Yeah. I had a prototype Brack puppet before I had the one I have now, which I made. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Do you have like a, any kind of a background in puppetry, or is it just something you picked up? Yeah. Um, yeah. My uh, family, well, we heard about this place in San Diego called Puppet Productions, and uh-huh. they put, they actually build puppets, and they would have um, special. Uh, different Bible stories, um, uh, not dramatized, but they were kind of, they were all comical and they had some really good, like regular cartoon voices, uh, of that day actually doing the voices in these. So they were very professionally done. And, you know, we did, there was like Daniel in the lion's den and all this stuff. So, um, I kind of learned to improv with puppetry too, because I we didn't just go and do the recorded stuff. We we would um, get up and have like a opening thing where it's like, "Hey everybody, here's the oh oh Delbert's coming up," and then the puppet would come up. And uh, my mom was like the person outside talking to the puppets, and. Um, <clears throat> After she used to tell us what we were going to talk about um, with each um, with each show, and after a while, I just said to her, "I don't want to know. I just want to go in cold." Uh-huh. <laughs> so I would just, you know, go up, bring him up any way I possibly could. There was the elevator. There's the escalator, and uh, so. Uh, and then I would just say any dumb thing that came to my head. Occasionally, yeah. I would accidentally say the word crap, and that would, <laughs> that the church wouldn't like that. So, okay. although I, I believe I believe the Apostle Paul uses the Greek equivalent of crap in uh, one of his epistles. So, <laughs> what what is that word? Uh, scubalon. Dungulus. Scubalon. Yeah. The puppetry thing is interesting because I remember um, doing like some. I was like reading. I was curious about like the guys who started Veggie Tales, and I looked them up, and they were like, "Oh yeah, they met in a puppet class at Christian College." <laughs> I was like, "That's crazy." Meeting at, meeting at puppet class, I like that. Yeah, I mean, uh, a big inspiration for me. Uh, we started doing it when uh, the Muppet Show started airing. Yeah. And so I always idolized uh, Jim Henson. Um, I was always a big fan of even Mr. Rogers, but his puppets were like, just little hand puppets. Um, but yeah, I was always a big fan of Jim Henson and very inspired by him. And, uh, just, they could just be funny, you know, they didn't have to worry about, you know, they could just inject funny into, like, situations. And that's really kind of always how I've written, too. Um, I don't like to write joke, joke, joke. I yeah. usually write um, 
you know, just a situational thing uh, that's going on, and it's comedy, so, you know. Sure. Anyway, yeah. I went off subject. That's okay. Um, yeah, well, and, and I don't want to keep you too long either, but uh, it's, it's interesting chatting with you. Um, yeah, I, I think puppetry is kind of a lost art nowadays. It seemed like it was everywhere for a while. And it's there's, just, an, there's a show on Nick that uses puppetry, and it's really good. Um, so it's, I'm, you know, people, it's hard to say, it's hard to pitch an idea that involves puppets because mm-hmm. people immediately, I don't know why I don't, you know, it, to me, it's like the same as animation, yeah. you know, and only you, if we did a real professional show, we would build sets and all that stuff instead of drawing backgrounds and everything. So. Is it that it like? I don't, know. I don't know what the hangup is with puppets. I think too many people think of Jeff Dunham. Yeah. Tommy, no. Yeah. That's ventrilo- <laughs> that's ventriloquism. Yeah. Um, well, it's, but, it uh, seems like it seems like you kind of have like this, like a sense that puppetry is old fashioned. But then on the other hand, you have people who will like intentionally make it dirty, and so you don't really have like this kind of middle of the road sense. Yeah. Of, like, yeah what no be. middle. I think that Nick show uh, does does well to to bridge that gap um uh i mean i all all last summer i you know taught myself how to make puppets i got a pattern from somewhere and and uh just started making variations of that pattern and um that's where brack and santa claus and i did a zombie I would have him here now, but he's down in the garage because they just delivered them. So that's that's the interesting part is that they just delivered them. Well, and, and, and uh, I don't know if it's too personal of a question, but the uh, I was interested about the move to Newark. It sounded like maybe you were trying to closer to, to your mom. Maybe am I right, right about that? Or uh, right about that? Uh, well, you know, I I moved to Newark uh, just because the last time. Uh, I was around my mom. She just d- didn't get around that well. And she had bone spurs in her back and she's going to have surgery and all this stuff. So I thought, you know, somebody needs to be there uh, to help her. So that was me. Aww. I, I thought I'd give my brother and sister a break. So, yeah, you know. Yeah, well, that's awesome, man. Took it for the team. Yeah. Well, and, and also, I mean, nowadays, especially with voice voice work i mean you can really literally do it anywhere yeah um i found that out we i did some aqua teen stuff in my closet last year <laughs> over zoom which you know doing an audio record by yourself just kind of sucks because you don't have any audience yeah, but yeah. to do it over zoom with you know people there listening and all reacting uh it's a lot easier. Sure. It's, like, it's it's it was as close to being in the studio as as I as it was as it could be. Yeah. Um, so yeah, doing it over Zoom, even though we're on Skype, I guess you could do it on Skype. But yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah, I, I always wonder, you know, when you see you hear that people just record it separately, they're never in the same room or whatever. I always think, well, doesn't that hurt the integrity of a boss baby, for example? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, you know, the funny thing is, is that Adventure Time, most of the time they record together. 
Yeah, but my my character on in Adventure Time was so whacked out and out there that they recorded me solo just because he just never shut up. He just was always making like <laughs> robot noises or doing whatever stupid thing. So that would have been distracting to the cast, I think. So sure, yeah. Shoot, I don't want to keep it too long. Let's go through the stuff if you're cool with it, and then if you if we have any like diversions that sound interesting or fun, let's just do it. Okay. Assuming you get time for it. Whatever. Okay. So I'll do my I'll do my intro thing and then I'll uh, bring in. Okay. You're oh, listening. We weren't starting. That wasn't even the start. <laughs> 